Green Mountain Chronicles was originally produced for radio by the Vermont Historical Society in the 1980s. We're re-releasing them today as retro podcasts. Please note that any resources the podcast recommends may be out of date. We recommend you check out our website, vermonthistory.org, for the most up-to-date information. Green Mountain Chronicles, number 27. Women Get the Vote. Hark the sound of women's voices rising in their might. Tis the daughters of Columbia pleading for their right. And I went with some pride to the town clerk's office and took the Freeman's oath, knowing that women had never voted before. 1920, the 19th Amendment becomes the law of the land, granting full voting rights to women throughout the United States. Susan Sleeper of St. Johnsbury is one of an estimated 10,000 Vermont women who eagerly embrace this new civic duty. Full suffrage for women is the culmination of a long, sporadic struggle, which in Vermont begins in 1852 with Clarina Howard Nichols, who was the first woman to address the Vermont legislature on behalf of partial suffrage. Middlebury College professor Deborah Clifford. She asked that Vermont women be given the right to vote in school meetings. They refused to even grant that partial suffrage. In 1870, the New England Women's Suffrage Association sent leading suffragists into Vermont to try to organize support for the cause. They had only limited success. The majority of women were indifferent at best. A bill to give women full suffrage was quickly defeated in the state legislature. By and large, the women in this state had little interest in voting rights. It was not in their sphere. They belonged at home, taking care of their families. Voting was a public act, and it was a danger. This is very hard for people to understand today, because it would take women out of their proper sphere and somehow threaten the family. So when the suffragists argued in favor of voting rights for women, they had to address this issue of the family and how suffrage was going to help the family. One appeal was through the temperance movement. Temperance was seen as an acceptable cause for women to become involved in because efforts to rid the state of alcoholism were seen as improving family life. The leadership of the temperance movement embraced suffrage, believing that with the vote, women could help pass laws to curb public drunkenness. The Women's Christian Temperance Union in Vermont worked for passage of a law in 1880 giving taxpaying women the right to vote in school elections and hold office in school districts. But Vermont women would not gain further voting rights for almost 40 years. And to think that so many good people couldn't vote, that was an awful feeling. The late Marjorie Townsend of Plainfield. Through the influence of a future mother-in-law, the young Marjorie went as a delegate to a national voting rights convention, Whereas an impressionable teenager, she encountered the fervent enthusiasm of other delegates. But they all got very excited. They all had wonderful ideas. All difficulties would be at an end as soon as women had to vote. I listened quite a lot. In 1917, the Vermont legislature passed a municipal suffrage bill. Governor Horace Graham, a supporter of suffrage, signed it into law. That same year, the 19th Amendment was introduced in Congress. By 1919, both the House and Senate had passed the amendment, and it went to the state legislatures for ratification. In 1920, when 35 states have ratified the amendment, and only one more is needed for it to become law, a lot of pressure is put on Vermont to become the 36th state. 
Percival W. Clement was then governor of Vermont, a staunch opponent of women's suffrage and a friend of the liquor industry. Clement had already blocked a presidential suffrage law in Vermont by refusing to sign the bill. Now he was asked to call a special session of the Vermont legislature to vote on ratification of the 19th Amendment. And there is pressure from every direction, not just here in Vermont, but from the National Republican Party, from ex-presidents and Supreme Court justices to call this session, and he refuses. Clement was a state's rights man, and he used that as an excuse. He believed that it was up to the states to decide who had voting rights and who didn't. But the 19th Amendment became law without Vermont's ratification, and in the fall of 1920, Marjorie Townsend made the trip from Canada, where she was then living, to Plainfield to cast her first vote. It made you feel as if women were important. You felt more like a citizen, so that was a good feeling. Thanks for listening. This podcast was remastered by me, Amanda Gustin, and released by the Vermont Historical Society. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe to get future episodes and rate and review it. Please also check out our website, vermonthistory.org, where you can find background information on these episodes, as well as other ways you can learn about Vermont history from home. The Vermont Historical Society relies on support from generous donors to preserve and share Vermont's stories. During these uncertain times, your support is needed now more than ever. Please consider donating today at vermonthistory.org slash donate.